into the word of God together. I know that the Holy Spirit will reach out to you wherever you may be. You'll never be the same again in Jesus' name. I heard a story a few years ago. It was supposed to be a joke, but it kind of made an impression on my heart. And as I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit brought that story back to my heart. Um, well, you're, you're going to understand it as I go on in the story. It's a short story. It speaks to well, the, the, the peculiarities of certain ethnic group in our country. But I don't want to ponder so much in that direction. I just wanted to get the real gist. Okay, so this is the story. A man uh, had been told that he had just about four, three to four hours to leave. You know, so his children gathered around him and um, they were all, you know, sorry, Papa. They were saying their, their last respect, praying for him and all that. And then the man was still able to talk. So he asked the question, um, was asking about his children, five of them. Where is, uh, you know, I don't want to mention names. So you, you, but let me mention the name so you know where I'm talking about. So it's that part of the country where uh, they like commerce and industry, very industrious, you know, set of people. Yeah. yeah. So the man was like, so, where's Chinyere? Chinyere, Papa, I'm here. You know, uh, where's Chukudi? Chukudi, uh, Papa, I'm here. You know, and he went on and on until the, the last guy. Where's Chukemeka? Chukemeka, I'm here. And the man blotted out, who can do it for shop? <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, the, the issue was that this man is going to have to leave everything behind in a few hours. He was about to die, but he was still concerned about what? Yeah. He was still concerned about who is keeping the store because he, had, he was in trading business, you know, like a lot of people from that part of the country. He was still concerned about that. He was still concerned about that. And from this story, I mean, you, you know that people who craft this kind of story, whether it's true or not, they just want to throw a jab at people from that part of the country. But more than throwing a jab at people, uh, from the east, eastern Nigeria, uh, is to get something out of the story. That there's a way you can live your life that even at the last minute, you're still not focused on what is most important. Yeah. There's a way you can package your life that you have put everything in place to keep your mind distracted from the things that are most important in life. It's possible for someone to just arrange your life in that way. That even when you try, your mind may not be able to go to the most important things. I'm, I'm, I'm starting a new series this morning that I've titled Living Beyond Myself. Living Beyond Myself. And for this first message, I'll, I'll choose a call this Keep Eternity in View. Let's keep eternity in view. Keep eternity in view. We get real fulfillment when we pursue things that have eternal consequence. Real fulfillment comes from Pursuing things that have eternal consequence. Many a times in life we are distracted to focus on things with little or no consequence. Things that are inconsequential or have a little consequence. Some of the times we focus on things that have only earthly consequence. No eternal consequence. And some of us have packaged our lives in such a way that our minds have been so fixed on things that have only eternal consequence. And it's not a good way to live. So the, as I start this series this month, and you know, 
my team and I, we're going to be teaching around this subject matter of living beyond myself for the next four weeks. I want to encourage you to be a full part of this. Don't miss church. Get to enjoy this. Soak it in. The whole idea is will somebody release himself or herself to God so that God can disrupt that construct that we put around ourselves. Barricading us and putting boundaries upon our minds to be able to go beyond the things that only have earthly consequence. Because if you can't go beyond the things that have only earthly consequence and you're focused only on the things of this earth, you may come to a point in your life where you just realize that you have wasted everything. And wasted all the time on the things that don't matter. You've wasted all the time on the things that don't matter. It's extremely important. Let's read from Ecclesiastes chapter 2 from verse 1 to 11. It's a long reading. I'm just going to run through it. There's a man there by the name of Solomon. A man that God, you know, specifically endowed with wisdom. But the wisdom brought him a lot of wealth. And the wealth exposed him to possibilities of ex- experiments. So Solomon carried out a lot of experiments with his life. You know, when you don't have financial boundaries and you, you have more than enough, you can do any kind of experiment. So Solomon experimented with food, with pleasure, with women. Yeah. He still has a record of a thousand. I'm not sure anybody has broken that record since Solomon. A thousand women around him. Yeah. Whatever you call pleasure that has to do with intimacy between a man and a woman. I'm not sure anybody has experienced what Solomon experienced since the health began. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You, you haven't done a thousand. Yeah. You probably haven't done a hundred. Yeah. 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 It may sound funny, but I know what I'm talking about. Because there's some dangerous young men roaming around this place. Yeah. And the, the, the mind sometimes, you know, they struggle to put their minds in check to understand uh, that there are things that have eternal consequences that are things that have only earthly consequences. So all your, you know, your escapades may count for, you know, bare parlor talks, but they will not count at the gate of heaven. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. They may be good for barbershop talk. Yeah. Where you flex muzzle was you know, maybe bearded gang or Agbada gang or whatever, and you, you, you know, you, you want to prove that you're a man because of the escapade, but it will not count beyond that point. And this series is about focusing on the things that will count for time and eternity. So Solomon discussed about his escapades and his experiments. Solomon was the kind of person who can wake up in the morning like you did this morning and just say, where's the next place to hang out this evening? And he says, I'm hanging out in New York. Okay, get the private jet out. And it's out. Yeah. In this part of the world, we call it too much money. Yeah. Yeah. Too much money. Yeah, and it's gone. Yeah. Solomon is the kind of person who can say, yeah, where's, where did they sell the best? What? Maybe suya. What else? Give me an, uh, something. Maybe ice cream. The best in the world. They say, can, can we just go there right now? Yeah. There was nothing holding him in check or that can hold him back. If it's money, he had it. If it was influence, too much influence. Anything that you can think about. Anything. Anything. When his head was correct, he gave God a thousand burnt offering. Once. A thousand animals. Just killing, killing, killing. They're just slaughtering. Yeah. Slaughtering. Per second. Bah, 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 bah. And people were looking at this. 
Because I haven't seen anything like that before. Even God was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Because God said, Salo, what do you want? That, that was the implication of what happened there. What, what do you want? Yeah. He got a blank check from God. Yeah. That's the kind of heart. It's disposition towards experimentation and just doing stuff. So, in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 from verse 1, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with myth. I will, therefore, enjoy pleasure. But surely, this also was vanity. Verse 2, I said of laughter and things that are around merrymaking. Madness, he called it. And of myth, what does it accomplish? That's another question he was asking about, I mean, for himself. Verse 3, I sought in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine, any type that's available, while guiding my heart with wisdom. And how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under the sun all the days of their lives. Verse 4. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. Houses, businesses, whatever you call it. Verse verse 5. I made myself gardens and orchards and I planted all kinds of fruits, fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools, you know, lakes, jacuzzis, whatever you call it. Yeah, Solomon was the kind of person who would say, I want to own an island. I buy. I just, he just bought it. Yeah. And then got to the island. Is this all that it is? Let's go. That was how he was just living, just experimenting, doing all kinds of things. Someone was the kind of person who would just enter a car shop, say, how much is the Ferrari? He said, pull it out, pull it out. And he just enter and rev it, rev it. He has paid though. Rev it. Say the thing is not revving very well. Take it, I don't want it again. Keep the change, keep everything. And just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. And we would drive it out and then get to the next bus stop, see his friend, and they just chat a bit. And the friend say, ah, this car, this machine is cool, man. And Solomon would just look at the guy. You mean it? He said, yes. Are you sure? He said, yes. Yeah, you can have it. You mean it? Yeah. That's, that, was, that was the way he lived. Yeah. He was just anything. Anything at all. Yeah. Anything at all. Verse 17. I acquired male and female servant. I had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and, of, and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. Greater possession than anyone. I also gathered for myself, verse 8, silver and gold and special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. Solomon had all kinds of artifacts, all kinds of, you know, stuff, silver, gold. Go back to verse verse 8. Silver, gold, special treasures of kings, and of the provinces. I saw something similar to this. When I was reading this, I just remember in the flash, I went to the, well, perhaps the only presidential library that we have in Nigeria. No advertising, but it's a good place. Yeah. If at all, they spend our money well. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a good place to visit. Yeah. I salute all the people that donated into it. It's a good way to 
you know, just put a legacy together. If you haven't been there, it's in Abelkuta. Go there and check. I'm saying this live. Yeah. Go there and, and, and see it. You see that at least there's some good things about Nigeria. Yeah. All right. So this is what I was saying. In the eight years of the former president, he gathered artifacts from different parts of the world. He must have visited like a hundred countries. All his trips were recorded there. They calculated the mileage of his trip in the eight years. It was like going to the moon and back, I think, twice. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of mileage. You see all the map and the trajectory there. It was there, fully demonstrated. And artifacts from different parts of the world. You know, golden skull, golden this, this golden sword from Iran, or this one from Bahrain, different things. Yeah. And when you get into that place, it reminds you of Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 2 and verse 8. Solomon said, I had all those things, special treasures of kings and of the provinces. All the things that they, the spoils of war from different places that people laid their lives down to get. They brought it to Solomon. Solomon had anything that you could think about. Everything in abundance. Verse, verse 9. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. And also, also my wisdom remained with me. Verse 10. Whatever my heart desire, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. And it meant any pleasure. Think about it. It will make it happen. Any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Verse 11 and the, the last one. Uh, um, then I looked on all the works that my hand had done. And on the labor in which I had toiled, And indeed it was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. You don't have to go through the same experiment to be able to come to the same conclusion. Because you may not make it yeah. <laughs> to the end point like Solomon did. Yeah. It was too much of an experiment that could have destroyed his life. And you know that Solomon's heart was turned away from God while all this lasted. But the truth is that his conclusion suffices forever when it comes to this kind of experimental living and just you know, doing all that is available to be done. The most important thing here is that regardless of how rich, popular, or accomplished you become, living with a sense of eternity is what will differentiate your labor from being like chasing the wind. Living with a sense of eternity is what will differentiate your labor from being like chasing the wind. Like Solomon said, it's like grasping for the wind. It's when you live with a sense of eternity. That's what will make the difference. That's the game changer. So fulfillment is not going to come through shortcuts, fast cash, or applause, or what a new generation calls accolades. Yeah. Yeah. Fulfillment is not going to come through shortcuts, fast cash, or some accolades. Yeah. You know, because I've been saying that on social media. Give me some accolades. I need some accolades. Yeah. That's not where fulfillment comes from. Fulfillment will not come from there. Solomon says, I've seen everything, and yet I couldn't find fulfillment in order. When you start to live with eternity in view, it starts to reconstruct things for you. The priorities will start to change. Your thinking will start to change. Things will start to come into perspective for you. So, what does it mean to live beyond oneself? 
Let's look at that in a bit. What it le- means to live beyond oneself. Now, let's go back to the story I told you in the beginning. So that man had that opportunity to have his family sit around him for his last few hours. Jesus also had the same opportunity. Let's look at the difference. And what he portrayed through his own opportunity. So in, in John 13, John 13, we saw there that Jesus came to a point where it was confirmed that the hour has come. I'll read verse 1 to 3, debrief a bit, and read from verse 12 to wrap it up in this particular passage. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So Jesus' Jesus's hour was confirmed, just like the man that I spoke about earlier. Confirmed. Verse 2. And supper being ended, so he just finished eating with his disciples, also the devil having already put in into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, all the the I's have been dotted, the T's were crossed concerning his death. So, the person that will betray him has signed the contract. The guy had already collected the money or signed the contract. Everything was in place. Jesus knew that this is it. In a few hours, they will not be, and the next bus stop will be the cross. Now, at this dying moment, verse 3 says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God. Could it be said better that this is final moment? Am I saying the truth? Yeah. I want us to note that this event marked the beginning of his final hours with his disciples before crucifixion. And while everything Jesus did and said was important, the sense of urgency in his final teaching was apparent. The importance of Jesus' final teaching on this day cannot be overemphasized. If you have an hour or two to leave, confirmed, what would you share with your children? What would you say to the most important people in your life? Jesus lived for three and a half years and Three out of those years or so, he used to raise the people who would take the greatest message of all times to the hands of the heart. He had his final moment with them, and he chose to demonstrate something to them, which will keep them within the bounds where eternity will continue to be in view. And he didn't talk. He didn't do much. He just demonstrated it. He demonstrated it. We come to seasons and times in our lives where God wants to recalibrate our minds to put the things that are most important in view. All of us will come to that point from time to time. Maybe not at the point of death. Maybe just a time where the Holy Spirit is getting your attention to turn something around in your mind. I want to believe that this morning may be one of such time or this month as we take this teaching may be one of such time. Where you start to rethink Certain things, yeah, and start to reimagine your life and think about what should be most important to me, what should take precedent over what. 
What are the things that are exciting to me? And what should be exciting to me? Because Jesus taught his disciples a huge lesson through this passage of the scripture. So, this was what happened. After all that was in place and Jesus knew the hour had come, they finished supper, he grabbed a towel, grabbed a bucket. In those days, when you go for supper in a rich man's house, every rich man had a servant who would wash the feet of the people as they're coming in because they lived in you know, desert region where there was a lot of dust. One of the ways you show that you are a proper rich man is to have all that in place. The Bible did not say whether that was done for them while they were coming in or not. We assume that it wasn't done. So Jesus was still looking at everybody's feet because if it was clean, he would choose another way to communicate what he wanted to say. So they must have come into that place, people second-guessing themselves. You know, someone like uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, thinking, we should wash each other's feet. This one, we were called when we were at the Sea of Galilee, we were doing something. This one, Nathaniel was called under the tree, he was not doing anything. You know, so, <laughs> who's more important, you know? And they were, they were looking at who should stoop low and be, you know, cleaning other people's feet here. You know, so, Jesus saw all that. He didn't say anything. They finished supper. And after supper, his last moment with them together in one place, he decided to just make a statement. Grab the towel, grab the bucket, and started to wash their feet. He was coming closer to Peter. At some point, I'm sure Peter was thinking, hmm, hmm, if, if I'm going to be the leader of this gang after this man had gone and he's doing this, that means I'll have to be doing it for them. <laughs> so I'll be watching all these knuckleheads, small, small boys. Peter, as at that time, was married. Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So you can't have mother-in-law if you are not married. Yeah. Some of the other boys were not married. Small boys. Can I stoop down to be doing that, to be serving them and doing that? So when Jesus approached him, he knew. And he said, Master, no, you can't wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. He said, ah, sorry, wash everything. <laughs> and Jesus said, you had your bath this morning. Don't, I don't, it's just your leg. Yeah. Jesus made a very important statement. I mean, with his action to Peter by insisting I have to wash your feet and then in verse 12 verse 12 there to 17 it says so when he had washed their feet taking his garment and sat down again he said to them do you know what I've done to you do you know what I've done to you do you know the import of this do you know how important this is you call me teacher and lord And you say well, for I am so. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If I, being your Lord and teacher, I can humble myself and stoop low to serve you, you also have to be able to serve other people. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, this is the final statement from this verse. If you know these things, 
blessed and you are you if you do them. There's a difference between knowing something and doing something. The blessing is not in the knowing. The blessing is in the doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's one thing for you to know that we need to serve people. We need to be a blessing to people. We need to do this. What about the doing? The doing. The doing is more important than the knowing. Because if you do some things absent-mindedly, you will still be blessed for them. That's how powerful doing is. Yeah. That's how powerful doing is. Yeah. You can give without knowing the, the need to give. But the fact that you have given, whether to God or to the poor or something, you are blessed. Yeah. You can help somebody without even knowing whether it's good to help or not. The, mo- the doing is where the blessing is. It's not in the knowing. Say amen, somebody. Very, very important. So it takes humility to meet a need that you consider to be beneath you. It takes humility to meet the need that you consider to be beneath you. Living beyond yourself means living in a manner dedicated to making a positive change in your world that goes far beyond your personal benefit. So people listening to me here this morning who have never done anything that they're not paid for. Yeah. When you make everything about money, everything is all about money, everything is about what you're paid for, what you're going to get out of it, what is in it for me. You get trapped in this world and the different trappings of this world, you get closed in into it And that's all you think about. You know the beauty of service. Service creates an outlet for you to do something beyond yourself. Which opens you up to start to think that there are more people in this world. Maybe God has a greater agenda than just for me to make a living. Maybe there's there's many more things that God wants to do through my life. And then I can trace it down to, okay, somehow I'm getting towards eternity. Somebody say we made this morning. Yeah? That's how we live and have eternity in view. One distinct way to identify as a Christ follower is to be willing to do things proud people do not want to do. Yeah. Jesus, in that same action, demonstrated to us that one of the ways to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ is to be willing to do the things that proud people don't want to do. So it's good for you to look around you. What are the things that proud people don't want to do around me? It will speak better than even preaching if I choose to do them. Yeah. The communication is stronger if I choose to do them than preaching, than, you know, than than praying loud in public or speaking in tongues. All those things are good. But it will make a stronger statement if I choose to do the things the proud people don't want to do. Jesus' action showed a few things. One, humility. It showed service. It showed sensitivity. It shows vulnerability and a sense of responsibility. That's what his action showed. And these are the things that Jesus was communicating with his last breath, so to speak. That means they're very, very important to everyone that will be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So, If the only begotten son of God 
the king of kings did not think it beneath him to do the unblessed work of a servant, there is nothing which his disciples, we his disciples should think, you know, is beneath us, or too great for us, or too good to do. In fact, you know the truth? No sin is so offensive to God, and so injurious to the soul of man as pride. There's no sin. That is so offensive to God, and injurious to the soul of man, like pride. In the same vein, no grace is so commended, both by precepts and examples, all through the scriptures, as humility. All through the scripture. The grace of humility is so commended, both by precepts and examples, all through the scriptures. And there's no sin that is so grievous to God, and injurious to the soul of man, like the sin of pride. You see that all through the scripture. A proud person cannot live with eternity in view. Because that's to be about you. Yeah. That's to be about you. 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 So all through the scripture you see things like he who humbles himself shall be exalted. So First uh, um, Peter 5 and verse 5. You see uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of man a form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to, with God, but made himself of no reputation, and think, uh, and took upon himself the form of his servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself. I can go on and on, all through the scriptures, you see Jesus demonstrating the virtue of humility to us. So, in your own construct, what would the equivalent of a tower bearing, of tower bearing be in your situation, in, the, in your life right now? What's the equivalent of tower bearing, like what Jesus did in your own construct? What's the equivalent? For a man looking at me this morning, you're in your own construct, it may just be to change diapers at home for your children. Jesus is always stooping low to do things. Yeah, because some people think, the diaper changing and all that is a calling of the women. It's their calling. Yeah. So if you do it, you are sinning because you are transgressing into somebody's calling. That's the way some people... It's, it's too beneath. Yeah. What, what is tall bearing? What, what does it mean to you where you are right now? Because for some people, it may be to just get into a junior church and get involved there and serve little children. Serve them cake. Yeah. We give them drink. And clean up after them. And it just helps you to recalibrate. While you are cleaning up after the children. Putting eternity in view. And your blood pressure is going down. Because all the ephemeral things of this world. Running through your mind. And all the chasing and grasping for the wind. And looking at bottom line. And it was 3 billion last year. It must be 5 billion this year. Who is chasing you? Yeah. You need to slow down and calm down. Because after it's all said and done, you're going to breathe your last breath. Nobody lives forever. Yeah. And then it, it will be so vivid to you what is important and what's not important. Somebody stay with me today. So for somebody here, tower bearing, maybe working with the less privileged and volunteering somewhere. Somebody tower bearing, maybe serving, maybe in your estate where things are running down. and you, you, All the time you're speaking in tongues, but everything is running down. Yeah. Yeah. You are not concerned about what's going on in your community. 
yet you are speaking in tongues where everything is running down. And just to step in and say, look, what's going on here? What can we do here? How can this be better? You know, and all that. But everybody knows that you are the spiritual juggernaut of the estate. You come to Elevation Church. Yet you are not concerned. Yeah. That's tower bearing. When you, when you get involved in that and choose to do something differently and get involved. That's, that's, for somebody, maybe just pay more attention to the school of your children. Get involved on their PTA. Do something. You know, that's tower bearing. Because you're going to sit in a place where they're not going to pay you a dime. Yet you sit for a meeting for one and a half hours. Yeah. And then you know you're doing something for free. And getting involved in how other people's children's lives are going to be better. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Everybody's quiet. Yeah. Maybe something wider than that. Doing something in your local government, you know. Or even serving in church here. All through this month, we're going to be exposing to us service opportunities in places where, I mean, our children's church is loaded. We serve about 1,500 kids every Sunday. Yeah. Running through the services in different classrooms, big and small classrooms. We need teachers who will sit with a group of 20 or a group of 10 and expose them to a Bible story that will change their perspective. Every generation must be an improvement on the previous. How are we going to achieve that if we're not focusing on them to teach them the values? Not just education, but values to live by. The people who are stealing our money today, some people did not teach them well. That's how they ended like that. Some of them, they didn't take training. Yeah, they taught them, but they didn't take training. Yeah. We can't be saying, Nigeria will get better, will get better, and we won't do anything with the younger generation. I can go on and on and on. I'm sorry for some of us who went through some hardship. You know, coming into church this morning because of the traffic situation. We're going to improve on it. But we need more people there. Tower bearing. You know, to stay there and say, park like this. You know, how we need to open that gate. Somebody's running to open it. We can't pay people to do all that. If we do that, there will be no money for outreach or missions or anything. We may not even, our budget may not even be able to carry it. If you know the number of people who serve here every Sunday, if all of them earn income for serving here every Sunday, the church cannot afford it. The church, from the beginning, has always been a volunteer organization. Yeah. Yeah. Is somebody stay with me this morning? Will you help me look at your neighbor and say, how are you going to serve God this year? <coughs> glory be to God. I said, glory be to God. It's extremely important that we focus on this. Note that politics is supposed to be a call to service and not a call to make it. That's one of the things turning Nigeria upside down. And like I challenged just last Sunday, you know, in the second service like this last Sunday, where we had maybe close to 2,000 people sitting down, only six people are registered card-carrying members of any political party. Nigeria can never change that way. I'm telling mark my word. It's not maybe. It won't happen. Where our best brains are not concerned about politics or governance. We only get a chance once in a while when somebody just says, oh, you, you went to Harvard, here I come. And when you get there, do this, do that, don't do. We don't need Harvard brain. We just need it to do. You just need them to feel like you went to Harvard. You know, so, but you take instruction. That's what is happening. Yeah? What happens to us, all of us, being a part of the process? Rather than staying at the end of the chain, which is to carry PVC, I know we've been doing PVC campaign all over the place and we are doing it uh, billboard everywhere. 
we need to go beyond PVC. Real service and toil bearing may be for somebody to get into politics. And your motive is not to make it. You have already made it. God has already blessed you. But you want to serve volunteer and turn Nigeria around for the next generation. That's a truly devoted follower of Jesus Christ in his thinking. What we have today are people who want to milk us dry. And they, they are flaunting it. And all of us are seeing it. And all we are doing is to pray. We have to do more than praying. We have to get in. The middle class, the educated class, whether Muslim or Christian, are minorities in politics. Am I saying the truth? And especially Christian, educated class. The average person in this church, when I walk around and I meet people, has at least a degree. Most people have two. Now, this is a sample. We're all here now. I bet you, not more than 10 people here, or at most 20, which is 0.01% of those people sitting down here right now, have a registered card-carrying member of any political party. Because we're not thinking beyond ourselves. And we make some passive prayers for Nigeria. Yeah. Joining a political party does not even mean you want to vie for office. You don't have to. You just want to steer everything in the right direction. Somebody stay with me today. Yeah, somebody, some of us will join and then vie for office. Yeah. And everybody knows you are not here for money. Not by any chance. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a time where in this church people will go into office and they will not take a salary. Yeah. You are too rich to take from Nigeria. You'll be telling them, don't worry, we are here to fix Nigeria. This is not about salary. Keep the money. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. But you know the reason why most people don't do it the way I just described it? They've not had any background in living beyond themselves before. It's always been about them. Most people who are leading us today have never volunteered in anything or done anything for free. Yeah. It's when they want to go into office, they will now go and be buying bags of rice to say they are helping the poor. On their own, without policies, they have never done anything for the poor or served any volunteer organization. Or some of them, some have built something great with their lives. Some, nothing. Just career politician. How can you be a career politician? You're supposed to be able to prove to us that you can turn something around. Then you want to do it for us. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. You can't bring your CV that you want to work, for instance, with me in this church. And your CV is that you have not done anything before that is meaningful in that field. But that's how we vote. We vote for people who have no pedigree. Yeah. The only pedigree was that they did local government chairman before. They've been in legislator in the house level. Now, they can be governor. Yeah. Outside of politics, what have you done? What have you built for yourself? That's what we're talking about. Somebody, is somebody still with me today? Let's, let me wrap this all up. My time is up. My final thought. In Luke 19, someone had an encounter with Jesus. And it was a transforming encounter. Now, when it comes to living beyond yourself and keeping eternity in view, sometimes God will call you to do things that are beneath you. Sometimes God will call you to do things that are way beyond your pay grade. And you have to be willing. You have to be willing. 
when Jesus sent his disciples out, when he was training them, the 12, the 70, they went out two by two. It was beyond their pay grade. They had never dealt with a demon before. But yet they went because they wanted to live beyond themselves. When the madman of gatherings in Mark chapter 5 met with Jesus and he was healed, he wanted to follow him. Jesus said, don't follow me. There are 10 cities. Go become the evangelist over those 10 cities and preach. He was way beyond his pay grade. Before his madness came, he had never done anything like that before. Yeah. But yet he went. And that's what you see all through the Bible. Yeah. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. Jesus said, you know what? Your wealth has corrupted your thinking. Go deal with it. Give everything out and then come. That was way beyond his pay grade. He couldn't handle it. He walked away sorrowful. May you not walk away sorrowful today. May you walk away with the Holy Spirit recalibrating your mind. In the name of Jesus. So in closing in Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus. The Bible called him. A rich senior tax collector. He worked for the Roman government. Collecting tax. Obviously helping himself with a lot of money. He was rich. He did something that taught the heart of Jesus. That's what I want this series to do in your heart. So you can become a person like that. Zacchaeus got to this point where he heard that Jesus was passing by. And the Bible says he ran ahead knowing that he was going to pass through that place. He didn't only run ahead, he went and climbed a tree. The things that Zacchaeus did, listen to me everyone, rich people don't run, they pay people to run for them. Rich people don't climb trees, they buy the tree. It's time for you to show through your actions that your riches have not become deceptive to you. I'm pulling you beyond, oh God, where God has placed you. Zacchaeus ran. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Jesus saw the expression, his attitude. Jesus got to the place. Stop! For Zacchaeus. This is the only place in the Bible where you see that the Bible says Jesus looked up and he was not looking up to the father. He was looking up to a mother human. Look up at Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today, I'm going to be in your house. The first time Jesus visited anyone unsolicited. You want God to visit you unsolicited, serve. Put right attitude in place. Stoop low. Touch somebody. Touch the heart of God in the service in his house. Make sure that your life is going to be not only about yourself. People beg Jesus to come to their homes. Zacchaeus did not say a word. Jesus only saw his attitude and told him, Zacchaeus, come down. Today, I'm going to be in your house. Unsolicited divine visitation. I pray in the month of May, somebody's going to get an unsolicited divine visitation where God will visit you without your solicitation because he has seen a change of attitude. Yeah, a change of attitude. He has seen that wealth has not corrupted your mind and the troubles of this world has not taken your heart away from him. When that starts to happen, you see divine visitation unsolicited. God just moves in into your life. Things that other people are begging for and going crazy about, they just see them just flow in easily. Unsolicited. That's why I said, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things that unbelievers are killing themselves about, they're going to be added to you freely, 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 freely. So I want to challenge somebody this week. 
live beyond yourself by performing an act of service. An act of service. An act of service. And I also want to challenge somebody. That this new month of May, one of the ways you can demonstrate to yourself and to people around you and to God that you are recalibrating in priority is not to give any excuse for missing the gathering of other believers. I mean service. Because you, you, want, you, you, you want to engage this kind of teaching and use it to recalibrate yourself. It's like going, you know, taking your car, you know, to the auto shop for them to just return. Yeah. You know, because some people say, oh, you know, I'm too busy. Even busy on Sunday morning. Yeah. I need to prepare a paper. Or I have a Skype meeting. That you can push the after the service. Yeah. But those things are too important. Yeah. There are people who just stroll into church once a month. And you want to be better. And serve God better. And become a better follower of Jesus, it's not going to jump on you. You have to prepare for it. Some people have never attended a midweek service before. Oh, it says a special worship experience. Special communion. Nothing. And the only thing is work. Yeah. It's the cause of the work. See, the day you take your final breath, work will continue. Eternity starts. Work doesn't matter in eternity. Worship matters in eternity. Service matters in eternity. It's better you give them priority now. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. Yeah. You can try, but you're not going to live for a thousand years. And Bible says it's just an equivalent of one day in eternity. Notwithstanding how long you live, eternity is going to be far longer. And that's where you should invest more than here. Lift your two hands with me this afternoon. And just bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. And ask him today, Lord, give me grace to focus on eternity. 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 Lord, give me grace to focus on eternity. Give me grace to focus on eternity. Give me grace to focus on eternity. Let that be the prayer of your heart today. Can I request for minimal movement, please? Minimal movement, just for the privacy of the moment. I ask that we please. I want somebody to pray from your heart this afternoon. And just tell Jesus, help me to recalibrate your mind. I just want to be able to focus more on eternity. Yeah, I want to be able to focus more on eternity. Let that be the prayer of your heart. 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 Somebody needs to pray this afternoon. Lord, help me to humble myself. Please don't humble me. Because if God decides to humble you, you may not believe be the same again. Just, just pray right now. Give me grace to humble myself. Yeah. Just pray that prayer for yourself. Give me grace to humble myself, Father. Don't pray, God, humble me. Please, don't, don't do that. It's not a good prayer. Nebuchadnezzar was humbled. It never remained the same again. You just ask God for grace today. Lord, give me grace to humble myself. Give me grace to humble myself. Give me grace to humble myself. And to focus on what is important to you. 
Father, we thank you. Lord, we speak your blessing over your word today. And we ask everlasting, Father, turn every heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Make it pliable in your hand. Guide our fears. Give us discretion and wisdom. Help us to focus on what is important. As we go into this new month, go with us. Guide our steps. Guide our thoughts. If there's anyone that is derailed because of the deceitfulness of riches, or loss of the flesh, we ask today, help us to get back on track. Help us to focus on what is important to time and eternity. We thank you, our Father. And we bless you. We bless you.